Let's get into the materials we've been talking about, and we're on that, that chapter 5. And by the way, I want to join you. The first passage, if you would, that we're not going to put up here is 2 Peter. So if we want to go to 2 Peter 1, we're going to get into a text there in a few minutes. <clears throat> We've been talking about the importance of the Bible, that it's God's personal communication. It's his revelation. It's basically his autobiography. So if you're sitting down and doing a Bible study with an individual going through this material, you just want to make sure that they understand that the Bible is God's word. It's God-breathed. It's inspired. But it's also God's manual to tell us about himself and also what he wants from us. We talked about and already shared with (coughs) individuals that the Bible says and declares and makes it very clear that it's inspired. It's God's God-breathed breathed, all of it is. And so with that in mind in that Bible study, you want them to understand God inspired, all of it is inspired, and that it therefore is accurate, authoritative, without contradiction and error. And then there's that question that often comes up, how did that happen? And we rehearsed this already, that the Holy Spirit moved, it was an unusual situation, that God miraculously worked in the minds and the hearts, the understanding of the individuals, and yet he allowed their personality to come through, but all the words were directed by the Holy Spirit, and so it's something that is very, very unusual. It's a miracle book. And so individuals who talk about that, um, they say, we don't know about the Word of God. It's a supernatural book. Though a lot of churches... Um, we'll be talking about just briefly in the morning service, that they did a recent survey that came out. I'm amazed where America has gone when it comes to the Word of God in polls. It's amazing how many people, and even in the evangelical circle... There is a high percentage who don't believe that the Bible is 100% accurate, the God's Word. And that's amongst people, it's, it's discouraging. And uh, the mission field is no longer the world abroad. The mission field is right here. And so we talked about that idea and gave the illustration. It's a fabulous illustration that people would understand. So if you're doing a Bible study and you're saying, okay, I want to give a good look at the illustration that's given on page 68. It's excellent to just help people understand that, the, the idea of inspiration. Um, then we commented on this, and this is some of your material on that page 68 that we talked about already, that the Bible is helpful in all these different areas. For doctrine, that is what we believe, how we should think, reproof, correction, instruction, and righteousness that is how we should move forward in the future. So all of that material we've covered. Now, we st- where, where we're at in the material is what areas is the Bible helpful? And where we were last week is we said, okay, the Bible is helpful in getting saved, in presenting the truth. Now, these are some of the verses that show up in the book, as well as you may want to add, that he talks about, from a child you have known the scriptures which are able to make you wise unto salvation. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word. Um, not ashamed of the gospel. And what we pointed out last week, and you want to just reaffirm with that individual you're doing the Bible say, that when it comes to salvation, the Bible reveals the truth of salvation. It tells us who we are, what we are, where we stand before God. And so that word of God is vital because what do people normally think about themselves? We usually think we're better than what we are. And so the Bible is going to make that very clear, reveal that truth. And then the Bible has that supernatural power from God that's behind it, that the Bible where he, where he talks about, if I be lifted up, the Spirit will draw all men to myself in John chapter 12. And that drawing is usually through the Word of God, where Jesus Christ is presented. And that's why you and I are very, very confident of this. As we give out the Word of God, it will not return unto the Lord void. The Lord will use the Word of God, whether it be in printed form, whether it be in verbal form. And so the tracks, your verbal witness. The, you know, and it's amazing how sometimes it's a little word. 
It's a little snippet that draws people's attention. Like I just told you, somebody hearing just a phrase that was about a thief in the night, that that caught their attention. And it's amazing how God uses those situations at different times to just catch people's attention and start working in their hearts. And then that power of the the gospel to convert somebody, to bring them to the point where they are changed, where they're, and, and you are witnesses. Some of you are evidence of this, that the word of God did a transformation in your heart that's amazing. From where you were, your culture, your time, your phase in life, and even helped you to get rid of certain things in your life that you thought you would never be able to conquer. The power of the gospel. So the word of God is very, very important. We want to be able to reaffirm that with individuals. Now here's where we want to pick up. Okay, looking at this verse. When it comes to salvation, what else does the Bible do that is so, so important? These things have written unto you that believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know they have eternal life. What does the Word of God give or point to that we desperately need? The assurance, right? Okay, let me ask the question one more time. How many of you here that when you were hearing the gospel, when you were a young, youngster or even an oldster in the Lord, how many of you had moments where you said, am I really saved? How many of you did? Okay, a, a lot of us did. A lot of us. And so the Word of God is really, really critical in giving us that confidence. And so that's why you're talking with somebody who's a baby Christian, and um, you know they're going to battle. And you're going to say, okay, you need the Word of God. You need the Word. Now, what you're driving to is they need the Word of God how often? Sunday morning? Okay, yeah, right? We need the Word of God on a daily basis. And so you're laying this out. You're, that's your goal. You're telling them, okay, you need the Word of Here's why you needed it to get born again. You need the Word of God to give you the confidence because the enemy is going to come and he's going to want to make you doubt. Did any of you remember those days that, you know, it was just perpetual attacks? And so then we're going to move to the next section here, that the Word of God is essential for growth. Okay, and we all understand this. We understand babies are cute, they're cuddly, they're all that sweet. Ah, but if they are 21 years old, chronologically, and still look like that, is that an abnormality? Okay, and so we say we want to help that individual growth. And so we're talking to them, and we're saying, okay, here you are. Let's describe you, who are a new convert, let's describe you uh, from the Word of God. As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the Word that you may grow thereby. What do we learn about the Christian life from this verse? Now, you may not, you may not explain all this, but again, we're giving you a little bit more information. What does this tell you about the Christian life? Okay, we need to grow. What else? It's a process. Great. What else? Where do we start? No, no. Uh, as in our in our walk, where do we all start at? As babes, okay. So we ought not to get haughty and think we've got it down pat already. Okay. Let's add some thoughts. We all begin as babes, which means we all need to grow and mature. Would you grant that that's a truism? That we all do? Okay. It's natural. Would you grant that this is true? That as a Christian, it is natural for us to grow. Okay. Let's add this. Growth requires nourishment. Would you, would you grant that? Okay. And what's the nourishment? The, uh, the pure, untainted. 
okay? Uh, sinceros, that idea that it is, you know, it is something that's healthy, something that, and, and by the way, we understand this, you wouldn't want to give a child tainted food. And so you have that idea. As babies crave the milk, is it natural for us to crave the Word of God? It should be. It should be. Okay, God's Word is good. It's healthy for us to take in. So you're talking with an individual and saying, okay, I was where you were at. I don't know where I'm at. I might be toddler face spiritually. But you know, here you are. You just got saved a few weeks ago. You know, the Bible acknowledges you're a baby in Christ, and as a baby, you need to eat the Word of God. And so you and I would ask these questions, say, how often do, does the baby drink milk? All day? All day? <laughs> uh, at about two in the morning, you're going to answer this question by saying, too often, okay, if you're up. And so we all know babies drink milk a lot, okay? They don't necessarily eat, they graze all day, okay? And so what happens if the baby doesn't eat? What, have to be, what happens if the baby shows no sign of hunger? There, is there a problem? Okay, there's something wrong. There's something wrong with that. And so if the baby doesn't eat regularly, something's going to develop. And you know, you right away, you know exactly where we're going with this spiritually. Therefore, what should we be doing with the Word of God? As babes, we should be drinking up the Word of God. And if we're not, something's wrong. We're, we're hurting the growth process. And we know that. Job talks about this. This is what we preached a few weeks ago. He has esteemed your word more than my necessary food. Jesus made the comment, man shall not live by bread alone, but by the Word of God that proceeds out of God's mouth. And so the Bible is essential for godly living. Let's identify a few areas of our Christian growth for that new convert, for that young Christian. You're talking to them. And you say, hey, let me show you how important the Word of God is for you to have. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word? What does this verse teach you about life and the Word of God? What does that say to you and me? Okay, the Word of God changes us. Anything else? Let's start off at the very beginning, okay? In the very beginning, what is this saying about people as a whole? We what? All need what? Okay, okay, let's, let's start doing a process. We all need cleansing, right? Okay, we all need to change our ways, correct? Okay, and the, 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 I, the point of this verse is, what is the tool that will help you to clean up your life? The Word of God. Okay, so we're in need of cleaning up every day. Okay, that's there. We have some responsibility in this cleaning up of our life, this changing in our life. Do we not have some iota of responsibility? Will, it, will that growth process happen if you do absolutely nothing? No, no, because as a newborn baby, you have to you desire the sincere milk of the Word. Okay, so cleansing comes by following that is doing God's Word. This is important because, you're, now remember, you're talking to a baby Christian. That baby Christian might have some habits that are a struggle. That baby Christian might be saying words and they say, you know, uh, how do I stop speaking the way I've, I've spoken for years? How do I stop having a temper like the way I've expressed my temper? And so do young Christians, baby Christians, do they have battles? with some difficulties. 
do older Christians still have battles? Okay. And so you want to help them to say there is hope in growth. You can grow. And so what's assumed here is that the people are going to take in the Word of God and assumes that this is a true desire in the heart of the Word of God. Let's take it a step further. Again, you, you're doing your Bible study. You're sitting there. You're not asking them to give all those answers, but you, you have this in your mind. This is what's needed. But they need, to, they need to see. They need the Word of God. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. What does this tell you? Okay, the Word of God identifies sin. Excellent. What else does this tell you? Okay, okay. So my defense mechanism is going to be the Word of God. Okay, God's Word informs us as to what is right and wrong. Okay, God's Word is powerful as it helps us to do, what is, do what, what's right and say no to wrong. Okay, without the Word of God, do we have the ability, do we have the strength to be able to resist? The answer is no. The answer is no. Um, God's Word should be available to us at a moment's notice. Now, how do we do that? How do we, how do we keep the Word of God with us? Okay, memorize it. Can I add something else to that? Because we, we understand memorizing. When you do devotions, make sure you walk away with something. Have something from that that you are going to be thinking about, meditating on through the day. And so don't just go through the process. It's almost like um, you know, if you notice the sermon notes that I do this quite frequently, at the bottom I'll put you know, what, what to work on this week. That's saying, okay, what am I taking with me out of a lesson? Oh, I just got a lot of facts. That's, not, that's good, but what we need is not just facts, but we need to let it change us. Okay, and apply it. Let's do a step. Let's do what Jesus is prayer. Let's deal with this. Okay, Jesus is talking about the Word of God in this passage. Look at what he prayed. This is in. Um, this is the Last Supper, just before he heads to Gethsemane, or in route, and Jesus is praying for the disciples in this prayer. This is the section where Jesus is praying, keep the keep them, um, because the wicked one wants to destroy them. And then he's going to pray. I not only pray for these, but I pray for those in the future who should believe through the word that's given by these. In other words, he's praying for us, uh, generational Christians. This part of it, what do we learn from this part of his prayer? What is in Jesus' mind? Okay, the word sanctify is to set apart. Thank you. So he wants us to be set apart. What else do you look at this? That's an obvious truth from here. Other obvious truths. Okay. Does Jesus accept God's word as God's word? Okay. He says, thy word. Okay. So he's, he's confirming the word of God. He's confirming its accuracy. Anything else? Let's, let's add some thoughts. Okay. Jesus wanted all of his disciples to be set apart for God. That, that's a gimme, right? Prayer, this isn't stated, but this is illustrated. Prayer is the way we can help others become more godly. Who's the one praying? Jesus. Who's he praying for? Us. Okay. Um, that's, in, that's there. But here, when we're, when we're dealing with that Bible study, you want to make sure Jesus believed God's word was true. I want them to understand that. Jesus believed God's word was powerful. 
Jesus is declaring this. Your word is powerful enough to help people to become holy. And so Jesus knew godly living is possible. Is it possible to live for the Lord God Almighty? To be holy? The answer is yes. Okay, but what do we need to rely upon? The word of God. The word of God. The word of God is that which is going to enable us. So the word of God is so important for getting born again. The word of God is important for assurance. The word of God is important for growth. And as part of that growth, it cleanses. You've all heard the story about the little boy that brings the basket from the barn. And it's all been out there for a long time. It's got dirt and it's caked in. And it's really dirty and he was supposed to clean it. And he's talking to his dad. You know, that boy, I can't get the stain out. And his dad just tells him to take that basket going down to the creek and just get some water and bring it back up. And, you know, water what's left in the basket, water the plants there. And as the boy went through that process of bringing up the water, and the water would drain, a lot of it drained out of the wicker basket. But when it was all done doing the chores, the little boy noticed that the basket had been totally cleansed. Why was it? Because the water was running through it. Okay, that idea. And so, good illustration that you can use in your Bible study. Okay, let's add to what you have in your notes. Let's add a few other areas from Scripture. Where is some areas of growth that are very, very important? Now, remember, you're talking with some people that may need this uh, a specific here. They may, may need some help in an area of their life. And so some of the things I'm going to give you real quick, just write down the verses and uh, just the main idea, and that'll help you if they're saying, yeah, but, you know, I, I really battle with this area. I really am struggling with... Um, with uh, anxiety. I'm really, you know, I've got an issue here that I just need peace and joy. Here's where we go. Okay. The word of God, Jesus makes the comment, these things have I spoken into that my joy might be in you and your joy might become overflowing. So the word of God produces great joy. So as the individuals take it in, it's going to have an effect on you and me. John 11, it increase, John 15 verse 11, it increases our joy. Um, let me give you another one, okay? It provides peace. And this, this is critical. I mean, a lot of people are going through a lot of difficult moments that they may need peace that passes all understanding. These things have I spoken unto you. And remember, this is the night that Jesus has just announced, I'm leaving you, uh, one of you has betrayed me, and what is the reaction of the disciples? Well, we, we hear it where he says, let not your heart be... Okay, pulled apart. They're having anxious moments. They're going to be facing a death of one of their, one of their most uh, beloved friends. And so they're going and they're going to need peace because they're going to have, and he's told them, whatever they do to the master, they do to me. So this is a critical verse that helps out. Um, it's going to increase your answers to prayer. Okay, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will. And it should be done. But prefacing his answer to prayer is, what do you do with the Word of God? Where do you go with the Word of God? And so as you're sharing this with a convert, you're also taking this in and saying, okay, I need peace. I need answer, more answered prayers. Um, I need direction and guidance. Your Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path, which a lot of you have memorized, which is fabulous. But this is out of that Psalm 119, which is a whole passage of Scripture. Every one of those paragraphs is the letter of the Hebrew alphabet that he's working, be, working his way through to highlight the advantage of the Word of God. The Word of God will help you be successful. Okay? 
And so in this passage, in Joshua chapter 8, God's talking to Joshua, and they're ready to go in and conquer the land. The book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. You shall meditate therein day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then you shall make your way prosperous, and you shall have good success. Lest we all of a sudden flip ourselves into uh, the gospel of prosperity. The gospel of prosperity is the idea that if you... You do something, you know, almost mystical, magical, all of a sudden you will get rich. Is that what he's talking about here? Define success. What was the success he's telling Joshua? Success in making money? Yeah, okay, success spiritually, okay, In, in successfully being able to overcome Okay, success in that area. Can I, can I, uh, I'm putting it out there and I'm, I'm not as clear, I'm as clear as mud right here what I'm getting at. In this passage, the success has got to be in reference to what he's been told to do. Right? You'll be successful in the will of God. God's goal, good way of putting it. Not necessarily, oh, I, if, if, I, if, I, you know, if I read the Bible every day, I'm going to get rich. Okay, is that, what that, is that the way that verse should be applied? I don't think, oh, if I, get, if I read my Bible, I'm going to win the election that I'm running for. If I read my Bible today, I will get an A on my test. Okay, so if you're, t- if you're going through this verse... If you're doing a third grade Sunday school class, remember that people sitting, they need to understand what's success. Because do we hear about being successful in America? Yeah, yeah. So define success that the promise, the application of this verse is doing God's work. And by the way, for Joshua and the Jews, did they have a big job ahead? Yeah, conquering and defeating the enemy, which was God's w- clear, clearly revealed will, will for them. Let's, um, let me remind you of another verse that's very similar to this. His delight, this, is, uh, uh, this describes some of you. The, 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 the blessings come upon people like you. His delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he doth meditate day and night. He shall be like, bless you, a tree planted by the rivers of water that, that bring forth fruit in the season. His leaf shall not wither, where whatsoever he does shall prosper. Again, is this reference to you will make lots of money. You will get good grades. Okay, it has to go back to what do you delight in? You delight in doing God's, being in God's word so as to do God's will. Okay, so we have to define that. Okay, success is in doing the will of God. Um, let's uh, let's add, go a little bit further here. The Bible's essential for knowing God. You understand that, you're explaining that, that the only way that they get to know God. And so you may want to pause and just say, okay, we're getting to know God, which is the first and foremost, learning about how to walk with God, learning how to serve the Lord, learning His will. Are there other areas of your life besides relationship with God, which is priority and affects everything? Are there other areas in your life that the Bible can help you in? Context for history. Okay, history. What did somebody say over here? Family. What, uh, what other... What's that? 
in marriage relationships, anything else the Bible can help us in? Can the Bible help us handle our finances? Yes, it does. What else? What other areas does the Bible address? Jobs. Okay. Okay, raising kids. You take that Bible and you whack it. No, um, okay. Does the Bible help you with dealing with neighbors? Does the Bible help us in entertainment? It should. Okay, so we start laying, laying out, okay, and you're, you're talking to an individual, and you're, again, you're, you're please, please don't misunderstand how I'm, I don't know how to present, I'm just going to say, um, you're presenting commercials for the Word of God. You're trying to convince and, and encourage that young Christian to be in the Word of God. And so you're presenting how much they need the Word of God, how many benefits come from the Word of God. And you're going to say to them, hey, listen, you want to improve your marriage. You want to improve your parenting. You want to work on you know, how you deal with finances. You want to know how you should work at work. The Bible talks about all these areas. Does the Bible talk about how to have friends? Yeah, okay. Does the Bible talk about how to deal with trials? Does the Bible talk about how we should speak? Does it talk about our attitudes? There, you know, we could keep on going with gazillions of areas that the Bible talks. In, in fact, the Bible, when we talk about the book of life, we know that it talks about eternal life. But also in this plane, is the Bible a book of how to live? Yeah, absolutely. So it's very, very important. And I want you to join me now in that Second Peter passage. In Second Peter, and you're trying to explain to the individual. And this is, this is now getting a little bit deeper. But you're trying to explain to the individual that the Bible is sufficient to help them in all areas of their life. That the Bible... Um, okay, uh, <laughs> so I'm doing a Bible study with a young couple. Yeah, this few years back. I'm doing a Bible study with a young couple. As we're going through a Bible study, the questions come up on how to raise the kids. Good questions. Excellent questions. Because they had some children that were in the house that at that moment should have been in cages. Um, because they didn't know. They didn't know about child rearing. Are there books out there that people will pick up and talk about what to do with kids? Oh, I mean, there's, there's a... There's a whole genre of industry telling parents what to do with their kids. And some of it is unbelievable. Right? You know, let your child express themselves. You know, let them be free. And it's like, really? Okay? And so I want to direct that individual who might be a young couple and say, Hey, let me show you something about the Bible. The Bible is all you need. You don't need all this other peripheral information. You should go back first and foremost to the Bible because it is the clearest, best guide for how to live, how to parent. It's called the sufficiency of the Bible. Okay, so we read in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, and you again, you here, you're going to go a little bit deeper than you would in a Bible study. According as his divine power has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And besides this, and I'm going to read a little bit more. 
giving all diligence, add to your faith, virtue, virtue, knowledge, to knowledge you add temperance, to temperance you add patience, to patience godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, to brotherly kindness charity. For if you do these, the, if these things be in you and abound, they may make, they will make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so he's talking about that whole idea of God has given you, given you what you need to be able to live godly in all areas of life. Okay, not just in this relationship, but in this relationship. The Bible has given you all, uh, God has given you all that you need to be able to be successful in being a godly friend, in uh, raising godly kids, in being faithful in your finances in a proper way with what he entrusts you. And so this is called the sufficiency of Scripture. And we talk about that idea that God's Word does contain, and you would, you would agree, I'm sure, great and precious promises. Yes? Okay, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, what? Okay, great and precious promises. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Okay, um, I will, I will you know, provide all your... Okay, great and precious promises. Okay, that's in the Word of God. It contains the knowledge of Him that called us. That's God calling you and me to walk a life of holiness. All of this is given by His divine power. Okay, we, again, you and I would say absolutely. Through it and other blessings of God, we are given all, that, all things pertaining to life and godliness. We have within us the Spirit of God, Who's, who enables us to do all things through Christ Jesus. We have within us, okay, that Spirit of God that will convict, that will encourage. We have uh, given to us the believer's armor. We have given to us the Word of God that gives us directions and details and gives us what we need. So he's given us all the things we need. Through it and other blessings, we are able to partake of his divine nature. That is, we get to know him. We get to understand him. We get to have close fellowship with him. And the Spirit of God lives within us. Through the Word of God and what it brings us to, it helps us to be free from the corruption that is in the world. Again, that takes us right back to thy word of I in my heart that I might not... Yeah, wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed to the Word of God. Okay, God's Word gives us all the spiritual knowledge and guidance needed to know God and to live the life He wants us to live. Now that's the sufficiency of Scripture. That this is the most important book, the most important material we can digest in our life. Now, is, is it important for doctors to di digest medical information? Is it important for economists to understand economics? Is it important for a teacher of history to know history? Absolutely. Is it important that your mechanic understands how the car operates? Yeah, okay. Is it important that the cook that you go and eat at their restaurant, that they know how to cook the food safely? Yeah, all that knowledge is beneficial. But the most critical the most essential, the most fulfilling of all studies that we can do is the study of God's Word. 
Now, that doesn't mean we should say, okay, I'm only going to study God's Word. I'm going to go and put myself up in the mountains north of Lebanon, and I'm going to sit up in the Pine Grove Mountains, and I'm never going to expose myself to any other information but God's Word. Okay, that's not what we're declaring. But we are declaring, if you really want to know how to rear your family, you know, why don't you first and foremost go to the Word of God? If you really want to know how to improve your marriage, why don't you go to the Word of God first and foremost? If you really want to know how to handle your finances, start here. Okay, the sufficiency of Scripture and build upon it. And so that's an important thought that you want to relay to the baby, the baby Christian. However, however, before you teach somebody else they, they need to do that, you make sure you're setting the example. You make sure that you're doing this, that you're convinced that the Word of God is important. So it's critical for you to be able to illustrate, demonstrate how to be in the Word of God. Um, speaking of that, let's, let's do another passage that talks about the benefit of the Word of God to building you. That the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Okay? Let's finish out that passage. The first part of this passage says, uh, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction in righteousness, so that, is the idea, the man of God may be perfect. Okay, let's, do, let's dissect the passage. Okay, and you may want to mark your Bible on this one. This is an interesting, what he does. The Bible will perfect the word I've given you there from the original language. It means to outfit. It means to equip. It means to prepare. It's like if you're going camping, you want to get ready before you go camping. You're going to gather what type of stuff? Camping stuff. Okay. You're, because you're going camping. Okay. Um, if you're going hunting, what you, you guys who do the hunting, what do you want to make sure you take with you? The rifle? The weapon? Ammunition, that would be helpful, okay? So, you know, the, the one thing we do, we, you know, when we're leaving on a trip, we're headed for a trip, the one thing I'll do in the van is get all the teens and say, right now, all of you, show me, and there's a couple of things I want to see if they have them in their possession, if I don't have them in my possession, is I want to see two things that make sure that we get on a plane. Passport and a ticket, okay? Fully prepared. The idea, okay. Uh, my nephew, my nephew got married, headed to the airport in Philly. They're going to take off going down south. They get to the airport, and it's you know it's the day of the wedding, so everything's. And he gets to the airport and goes, "Oh, I forgot the tickets back home." You know, grand honeymoon, okay. You know, having to go back. They made it just by the skin of their teeth. But you know, this is the idea. You got to be fully equipped. The Word of God. Here's here's where we're going. The Word of God equips you for what God has for you. Let's take a step further. The Bible completely furnishes. And the same word, it's one word, thoroughly furnished. That same word is the same word arterios, arterios, but built a little bit bigger to get a fuller definition. So the word of God fully equips so that you are fully, fully, fully equipped and enabled to produce all good works. It's a double statement with a word to just get it across very clearly. The Word of God equips you for whatever God has for you. If God tells you 
to forgive somebody, he equips you with the word of God so that you are able to, and how do you keep on doing that? If God tells you how to, to, if God entrusts you with kids, he gives you directions that fully equip you how to raise these kids. So when you say, you know, that's the problem with parenting, we don't get a manual. That's true, we don't get one from the hospital. But God has given one from, in his word. And so it's very, very important we understand. The Bible enables maturing Christians to be productive Christians. And so by their works, that idea, I'll show their faith. So you and I are saying to the young convert, the word of God is, the, is sufficient. It is sufficient. Now, you need to learn the word. You need to learn the word. And yes, should you expand your knowledge in other areas? Yes, but make sure your foundation of truth is the word of God. Let's, let's go a little bit further, okay? So what do we do? You're, t- you're talking to that new convert. You've, you've got them convinced that the word of God is critical. The word of God is important. Now, what do you want to help them to do? This is, this is now, you, you've set everything up. You've set the stage. Now, where do you want to take them? What do you want them to do with what you've just shared? You want them to act upon it, okay? And so what's your most important thing to get them to do from here out? Get in the Word. Study the Word. Read the Word. And do people need to be instructed at times how to read it? Okay? Let me, let me do this, okay? With, let's start with a more public spot, okay? Let's start with the preachers, the church, Okay? If the Word of God is so critical for life, then what does he tell the preachers to do? Okay, preach the Word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering. Looking at this, okay, this passage speaking to what we should be doing here on the first day of the week so that you can go out and live godly lives the rest of the day of the week. What are, what are we supposed to do? Okay, we, we should be instructors, teachers, preachers. Be prepared to always proclaim the word of God. Do not assume Bible teaching is only appropriate for, you know, and limited to a certain, a certain occasion. Okay? And, and you and I were of this ilk that, hey, most every time we gather, what do we want to do? We want to be around the Word of God to some degree. Um, we want to take advantage of the teaching moments whenever they arise. We want to present Bible truth in different ways. Is there times that we need encouragement from the Word of God? Is there times we need a kick in the backside from the Word of God? Is there times that we just need to say, we can do this through the power of the Spirit? We can do this. Yeah. Okay. Without apology, we need to balancely present, in a balanced way, present the truth. And so when presenting the Word, he'll talk about, with all long-suffering and doctrine, that the Word of God needs to be presented with patience. Why? Why? Just, you're teaching a class you're instructing somebody. Why does he add, make sure that when you present the word, you are doing it patiently? How does patience come in with giving out the word of God? Any idea? Does it mean I should speak slower? Is that what that verse means? (laughs) Don't say yes, it doesn't. But... (laughs) What does it mean for, the, for uh, a teacher, uh, uh, you know, somebody who's leading in a, in a weekly Bible study? As you're teaching it, teach with patience. Go ahead. Well, you 
don't anticipate a quick reaction and a quick miracle. Okay. We are, we are such a microwave society. We want changes to be done. Okay, so you're taking a new convert through a Bible study. How quickly do you want them to grow up? <laughs> Yesterday, okay? Yesterday. But does it take them time? Might they still struggle with something? Might they say, say you're doing a Bible study with a coworker? Let, let's take something that would be so odd. <laughs> you get into a Bible study with a coworker, and the reason that you're in a Bible study is they have marital issues. And they're looking for some help, some hope. You're saying, I, I think I can help you through the Word of God, which you can. And so you sit down with the Word of God. How quickly, as you teach the Word of God, and you're meeting once a week, how quickly is their marriage going to turn around? It probably will take some time. Now, it might change real quick, but it might take, typically, it might... Do you think that in that next week, they might lose their temper and get into an argument with their spouse? And you told them, don't do that. You told her, don't nag. Don't nag. Do you think that that week, she will have victory completely over nagging? Probably not. Okay, And so it takes time. Just like, did it take time to teach your kids how to eat? Some of you are looking like they still don't know. Okay. Does it take time to, to develop manners? Does it take time to develop character? Sure. Okay, so be patient. Be patient in your Bible study. Okay, be patient in Bible study. Um, we've done some Bible studies, and some of you have been in this situation. I've been in Bible studies where, with, with some folk, and, they will, and, and they're living together. I typically don't bring it up. Within the first two, three weeks, guess what? They bring it up almost every time. They'll bring it up. And so then we'll talk about it. Very rarely do they that night you know, move out. Usually it takes some time for them to cogitate, to think it through, and to set the record straight on how they're going to approach this. And so you and I, in patience, not in, not in approval, but we're going to graciously confront and let the Spirit of God use the Word of God. And usually, within short order, something's done, if, especially if they bring it up. Because already who's working in them? The Spirit. And it's, it's phenomenal how that works. But so we have patience. We teach with clarity. We teach with conviction. We tell the truth. And that's what you're going to do in your Bible study. Do not divert from or delay in presenting the Word of God. Okay. Why is that? Because do you remember the rest of this verse? Do you remember in this passage? For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts, they're going to heap to themselves teachers having itching ears that they shall turn away their ears from truth. What time period is he talking about? Yeah, he's talking about the latter days. He's talking about today. He's talking about us. Okay. Is there a time in our society where people are no longer enduring sound doctrine? Okay, okay. Do they, do they after their own lust? The idea is they want to keep on doing something so they get a preacher who will... Yeah, he'll tickle their ears, make them feel good, and basically let them continue with what they want. Do we live in a culture that rampant immorality is almost accepted in churches? Okay, 
So what we have here is there's time coming that people will not want to hear sound Bible truth. Instead, they'd rather listen to myths, novelties, untruths, things that are tickling their ear, some dynamics, dramatics, you know, phenomenal things that make them feel good. All this done to satisfy their own desires by listening, by basically saying, hey, I want to be, and I'm going to take a common one today. I want to be in a gay lifestyle, so I want to go where they're going to approve and not teach me the truth of scriptures about homosexuality. Would you grant that that happens a lot today? Okay, okay. And so he's telling us, get the word of God. Now in Acts chapter 17, and I'm going to jump over this. Okay, let me, for it's, here's where we're at in Joshua 1.8. Okay, well, you already have the passage. This is the passage, Joshua 1.8. The book of the law shall not depart out of the mouth, but thou shalt meditate there in day and night. Okay, now you're talking with this young convert, and you're saying, here's what you do with the Bible. Here, let, let's make this practical. First thing you have to do on a regular basis is read it. You need to read the Bible. So you and I are talking to that individual, but we understand this. We understand that many people who are in the Christian realm that claim to be born again, they don't take time to read God's Word daily. Um, why is that? What are some of the common reasons that maybe you, me, others have given for why we don't read the Bible at times? No time. Don't understand it. Good. What else? Do, these are all. I'm glad you're answering the questions, but these are common. I'll do it later. Any other things that have kept you back? Okay, the Satan will do it. Okay. The oftentimes these are the things that we often hear. You know, um, but the in a survey, the top three comments included, I see, I, I, in my heart, I don't think it really makes a difference amongst Christians, that they really don't think it makes a difference in their life. Okay, which, that stunned me. That absolutely stunned me. But then it's like, you know what? I bet you there are a lot of people that say, well, I read it, but it didn't, it, I, I, I didn't get victory the way I wanted to. Um, we'll let the professionals say, we don't have a support system to do it. Makes me, any, of you, any of you find this to be true? As you read the word, sometimes you get more tired. Okay, okay there's three of us. Okay, that, okay, I don't know where to start. I want to see something. You know, if I want to see something, I can just Google. I don't have to read it. It's boring. Uh, I don't want to really change. That's a truism with some folk. And so I'm not smart enough. I think that last one even probably resonates with a lot of believers. That I don't, you know, I don't think I'm smart enough. Some of you are probably thinking, I don't think I'm smart enough to even do a Bible study. But you are. And you can take them as far as, you, you, the, the, the vast majority of you sitting here, you know more scriptures than a whole lot of preachers around this world. You're, you're very adept with the word of God. And so you, you, we look at that and we go, okay, now remember, this is what the Bible tells us. Okay, The natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God. They are foolishness. According to this verse, an unsaved person cannot understand God's word fully. That's true. But what about the believer? Is there any guarantee that you have some way to understand when you read? Okay, that's, that's there that the word being in your heart repeatedly will help. But according to this text, what has God given us the Holy Spirit. Okay, if you look at the verses, it talks about the Spirit of God bears witness with your spirit. 
Okay, and so you have the person who inspired it living within you to help you to understand it. Here's, here's the words. The Word of God was inspired from God, then inscripturated, written down, and now what does the Holy Spirit help you to do with it? Turn on the light bulb. You illuminate. Illumination is the doctrine. He illuminates you to help you to understand the Word of God. And that doesn't mean we don't have to work at studying it. Oftentimes we do. And so it's a continuous thing. Um, so here on practical tips, you're sitting with a new convert and you're telling them you should read the Bible. What might you say to them to help them to read the Bible on a regular basis? What simple practical tools might you offer them? Set a time. Set a time that you do it regularly. What else? Have a place and a time so that it's habitual. Good suggestions. Anything else? Where might you tell them to start? The, the Gospels are really, really good. Okay. Anything else that you might suggest to them? Okay, pray. Pray and ask the Lord to give wisdom. I, I, I think these are pretty much what you've said already. I would encourage them to have a pen or pencil nearby because as they read, they're going to have questions. And then what they're going to do is want to ask the questions. But if they don't write down the questions... Okay, so tell them to have something to write down, like a small little notebook to write down questions or thoughts that they could carry with them prayerfully ask for a message. Then what you have to do, Joshua 1.8, okay, where he talks about that idea. I best go back there because I don't know if I have the full verse on the next slide. Uh, Joshua is where? Here, we, Old Testament, thank you. Okay. Page 259 of my Bible. Okay. This book of the law shall not depart out of the mouth, but you shall meditate therein day and night that you may observe. Okay, so the idea is to be thinking about it, um, not to pick on you, but to pick on me. This is what I do if I'm not careful. I can start reading, although the Bible is thought by many to be antiquated or out of touch, Scripture teaches, da 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 my eyes can continue, but my brain goes in neutral. None of you, I'm sure, struggle that way. But the Word of God, I, do, I find that, the Scriptures, I do that a lot. Okay? And so it's thinking about how do we engage ourselves when we're studying, reading the Word of God. And so that meditate there and day and night implies that Bible study requires thinking. Okay? It requires attention and thoughtfulness. And so we would recommend, hey, have some type of pattern Form, go somewhere with this. Have something directing you in a systematic reading fashion so that as you go, you can keep on going through. And even if there's a question and answer, if you have a Bible study that might have some questions, or this is what I recommend to individuals in the Bible studies I conduct with individuals, I give them some questions they might ask. When I do the preacher boys every summer, this is what I do for their devotions. They have pages that they have to fill out every day, and it has these questions on it. What does this teach me about God? What commands are given? What example is there? What promise can I claim? What sin should I avoid? And in almost every text, you're going to answer at least three of these questions. Sometimes all of them. But it gives you something to be looking for. So as you're reading, you are actively engaged in saying, and so you read the chapter. Now go back and answer these questions. That extra few minutes engages your brain with the text. And so have something. 
Something simple that helps you in going through. And then you read it. You're talking to them. Say, read the Bible. Do some study with that, thinking about it. And now make sure what you learn, you do. Because we are to be not just... Yeah, okay. Let's wrap up with this one. In James chapter 1. You want to flip there for a second? In James chapter 1. In James 1, we read these words in this passage. James 1, verse 22. Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. That's That's an indictment against us. For if any man be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like the man who beholds his natural face in a glass, for he beholds himself and goes his way and straightway forgets what manner of man he was. But whoso looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues therein, he being not a forgetful here, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. Okay, let's, let's identify these things. There's two types of people in this verse, two types of believers in this verse. They are a doer and here. Okay, that's, that's very simple. What everyday activity does he compare going to the Bible with? Reading the Bible is like looking in a mirror, looking in a mirror. Okay, looking at yourself in a mirror, which is pretty much a routine that most of us are in every day to some degree. What do the two types of believers have in common? They both look. They both have the mirror, and they both look. Okay? So we know that they have the Bible, and in this case, they look into it. What is the major difference between these two believers? It's what they do with what they've heard. Okay, the hearers do nothing with what they learn, but the doer acts upon what they've seen. Okay, so it's basically doing. The end result for the doer, he's blessed of God. And then we remind ourselves, okay, hey, the Word of God is so critical. And so when you and I are coming to the Word of God on a regular basis, that we want to teach people, you and I want to practice these things ourselves. Even this morning, be engaged in the Word of God. That's why even taking notes for some of you is very, very helpful. Some of you, notes are distracting. But for some of you, engage the Word of God and then walk away with something. What am I going to do this week? And so you apply it even this morning. But let's make sure we teach this Word and get these Bible studies, help these individuals to understand the importance of the Word of God.